like I remember playing Uncharted and I was like, okay, this is cool. And um, that was about it. But, you know, I didn't really care about the story. I like I really liked the story. I liked I really liked those Uncharted games. I even played the one on PS Vita. I believe it was a Oh wow. Yeah. So that you, was so you, made so you, by the the good, good development team and I played through that too. I was going to say you gave yourself like carpal tunnel just to play a game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> oh no, I mean, I remember uh Victor uh, Sullivan, played... sorry, Victor Sullivan, not Jake Sullivan. Oh, no, I like Jake Sullivan better. Yeah. Yeah, why not be just the same guy from Avatar? Why not be literally the same guy? Like he's frozen or some shit. Like you know, he falls like in some amber. So then, when it is and Avatar time, <laughs> oh, I see, yeah. And then he's like chipped out of it, and then the and, first thing he comes out, he's like, "Say hello to your mother for me." Yeah. And then that's it, because that was the last thing he was gonna say to Nathan Drake. Oh yeah, like really bringing it full circle. <laughs> exactly. Say hello to you. <laughs> Oh, and he's gone. He's gone. Uh, what was uh, he going to say? What was he going to say? What? My mom needs to know. <laughs> um, she keeps asking me. All the time. Did Victor, I'm uh, sorry, did Jake Sully say anything good to me or about me? Uh, no more. Oh, jeez. No I, I don't have the heart to tell her. He's frozen in some sort of amber, some sort of techno amber. Pop Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip-hop. From the roots, Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga. Since its debut on November 15th, 2001, the Halo franchise has gone on to become one of gaming's most recognizable tentpoles. Like Mario and Sonic before him, there have been many attempts to adapt the story of Master Chief to mediums other than games. Where those many false starts failed to finish the fight, Paramount Plus has seemingly done the impossible, as the Halo tier of series finally premieres today on TVs across the globe. That is, if you're listening to this episode, the day it dropped, of course. So join us for a lively discussion of the early critical re reaction to this landmark pop culture moment. As always, I am your helpful AI best friend that's always in your head, Fortana. And I am joined, as always, by the number one substitute hero, Mr. Chief. A.K.A. the Fartin' Spartan. A.K.A. John. John, are you ready for our latest mission? And that mission, the objectives are talking about someone else talking about the show that we don't have screeners for and therefore have not seen. <laughs> uh, yeah, hold on. I'll do my best, uh, Mr. Chief. You got it, dude. Yep, there's uh, that classic yeah. Mr. Chief voice. He is the number one substitute hero. So when Master Chief is not available, they call Mr. Chief, a.k.a. the Fartin' Spartan. Listen here, you Cavanette. <laughs> I'm here to tell you to cut it out. 
what's wrong with uh, Master, Master Chief? Oh, that's Mr. Chief. Okay, cool. It'll yeah. be an easy day today, light day. Yeah, he. They only get him to go get like office supplies. Oh yeah, no, he's he's mostly there for public appearances when uh, Master Chief is off saving the world. Hey everybody, I'm from Ring World. <laughs> no, sh- 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 don't mention that. Yeah, the more accurate uh, depiction of a ring-shaped planet. Sure. Like you could say it's golden arches like the one that we have here maybe i don't know i don't know i'm mr chief i don't know a lot yeah i all i know is i got this windows phone and it doesn't work (laughs) now let me get in my chevy tahoe and go away (laughs) mr chief out (laughs) yeah that's great. Well, I hope you do come back for the recording the rest of this podcast. Uh, although... No, maybe not. Oh, no. <laughs> this Tahoe's out of control. <laughs> don't buy this car. Don't buy it. It's terrible. The brakes don't work. <laughs> Allegedly. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm ready to talk about someone else talking about the show because even if I had a screener, the likelihood of me just like sitting down and watching it would be pretty rare. Oh, so, God, don't say that. Don't say, we want people to send us screeners. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'll watch your screeners. Um, I promise you. Paramount, Paramount Plus. Plus. The hot yeah. news streaming service for all your viewing needs all the latest star trek and probably that show young shelton it's got a mountain of content a mountain of content all based off of uh, one life to live or whatever uh, (laughs) soap opera that they are using to prop up their company (laughs) paramount plus give it to us Paramount Plus, uh, that uh, channel that used to be called CBS All Access, and then people realized that nobody wanted to watch or buy anything associated with CBS. Someone was like, "Yeah," And then they were like, well, we'll call it Paramount Plus. Disney seems to be. <laughs> that works, right? It seems to be working out for them. We'll jump on that bandwagon. Put a plus at the end. It's great. Perfect. Yeah, no, let's, uh, uh um... This is going to be fun because, as uh, avid listeners know, I don't really care about Halo. So this is going to be great. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. How are we doing this? Uh, do I just start ragging on it now, or do you want me to <laughs> hold my ragging until later? Oh, no, that'll be – I'm sure that'll be a part of it. Um, I think – but before we get into it, would, I think we should comment. We talked about this last episode we about including it, but I don't think we did. I haven't listened to the entirety of the episode, so I don't know if that's true or not. But uh, uh, I think it, we wanted to talk a little bit about, before we get into the fun stuff, let's talk up, uh, take a little bit of a solemn note and talk about the passing of William Hurt. Yeah, that sucked. Yeah, it's really sad. I will admit that, like, when you told me about it, I thought you were talking about John Hurt. Oh, well, I mean... And I was really sad. And then I found out it was William Hurt, and I was still sad, but less sad. (laughs) Mm, 
I mean, it's still sad that somebody is not in the universe anymore. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but I did remember when we were talking about it. I'm like, oh man, I was just, I was just thinking about Jim Henson's storytellers, and that is John Hurt. That is not William Hurt, and I had that wrong. I had just had. I mean, I, I don't think that was even on the pod, but I have to admit it. I was wrong in that instance, and uh, when you're wrong, you gotta come out and you gotta, you gotta say it. No, I, I uh, for those who listened to last episode, including me, when I edited it, I removed it, um, just because I didn't want to tag up on the end of an episode i figured we can save a little time in the next one to talk about it yeah i think that was good it would have been uh it would have been a very somber note to go out on but yeah the uh, the star of altered states and kiss of the spider woman and of course the mcu's own thunder thaddeus thunderbolt ross which he did a really fantastic job didn't really have a lot of time to you know inhabit that character and but he, he did a great job i don't know for me it was uh his role in lost in space yeah <laughs> i forgot to bring that up but that's really where i was that's really where a young forest became familiar with william hurt obviously my parents weren't showing me kiss of the spider woman when that was out and altered state Forcing. would have scarred me forever uh but uh oh absolutely i mean geez that uh, he did. I think did he won an Oscar for Kiss of the Spider Woman, didn't he not? I believe so. Yeah, believe and so. well deserved, of course. Um, hey, but, but he uh, should have won an Emmy for his portrayal of Duke Leto Atreides in the Dune TV miniseries for Sci Fi Channel. Is that so? Did was he actually? <laughs> was yes, he, he was. A good, a good part of that very weird and and sometimes hard to watch show. Uh, you mean all the time hard to watch? Okay, yes. I was he, trying to be charitable. <laughs> yeah, no, no, right. the, no, no. The 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 TV miniseries, the sci-fi miniseries, covered things that the Lynch version of Dune didn't cover, which is most of it. Eh, like you know, like I don't know. It's like potato, potato. Potato, potato. I yep, guess it's like, like it's like potato, potato. <laughs> yeah, agree. potato. Yeah, you know, um, the Thai potato. Anyway, um, <laughs> what? No, right? It's the, it's the potato that gives you typhoid. Oh yes, that's right. Yes, uh, which I feel like I have now. Now it <laughs> it it like dived into some things that were kind of cool, but um, you know, the weirding way was more accurate in the miniseries and say it was in the Lynch version and stuff. But, um, William Hurt was always the highlight for me as, uh, Duke Leto. So out of all the parts where I wanted to get my life back from watching it, uh, every time he was on screen, I was like, all right, all right, I feel good. And then when he'd leave, I'd be like, Oh no, can you bring him back, please? I know he wasn't in the scene, but can you please bring him back? I, I need I need a quality bar. I'm not getting here. I'm not getting here. And um, yeah, so that, was, that I guess I was kind of shocked. I was like, how'd they get William Hurt? Well, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the energy he brings to any role he's in, right? Like the Lost in Space that you mentioned, that movie was not very well received at the time. I liked it when I was younger, but I remember it getting pretty mediocre reviews, but he was fantastic in it. And it's like a really corny sci-fi movie and he like is he always brings the same level of acting skill and professionalism and gravitas to any role regardless of 
whether it's really expected of him or not, right? Yeah, he's in it. You know, like when you watch when you're watching him in there, you're like, cool. When you're watching Gary Oldman as Doctor Smith in that, like, these are amazing, amazing actors here, and they are both taking it real serious. And that is such an enjoyable thing to see. You know, versus uh, I don't know, egos getting in the way or whatever. Like, yeah, I loved the movie when I I remember I can even tell you what theater I saw it in. That's how much like it impacted me. But they just made it better. William Hurt made it better as John Robinson. Yeah, Matt LeBlanc. I stick with what I said, but there is <laughs> Mimi Rogers and Heather Graham. So there you go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, there's the I, I yeah I really liked that movie quite a bit, and I was very it didn't do all that well, and I was I remember being pretty upset that that was the case because I wanted more. Well, of the adventures I, of the uh, them being lost in space. Yeah, but then you got like Spider Olman, and yep, <laughs> I seem to remember that effect not working back then. Uh, uh it was a stretch. <laughs> yeah, like it, it was like when you saw the back of his hood, you're like, oh, that's cool. Then he turned around, you go, ooh. You're like, no, no, turn around. <laughs> yeah, turn around. He looked more menacing from back. I trust you. Yep. Like I know you're emoting. I know you're emoting. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, but yeah, they had cool suits and all that stuff. Yeah, they had like, uh, you know, that's when back when we were all thirsty for more bullet time. We couldn't get, we had, we had our taste of like proper bullet time. We needed more, and so it was in everything, uh, including that movie. That's true, and they had a robot. Yeah, it had a dang robot, which I'm, a, I'm always a fan of. You got a robot in your in your movie. Already, it's getting two more points on a scale of one to ten for me. You get that's two whole points just for having a robot in it. That yeah. that goes for that one Rocky movie that had that robot. <laughs> yeah, but that one was weird because that was like, uh, what was it? Cousin Vinny, Polly, oh, I think, right? Polly, Polly, yeah. that's it. Yeah, I think he was like married to that robot. That's fine. Even cooler. Hello, Polly. Remember that the, the weird when they introduced it? It had like this very trippy sort of like acid trip scene introducing. I remember. I don't even know if that's apocryphal, if that's true, but I remember in my mind there is a very uh, the the way they introduce that robot is very off putting or just weird. I I I am not a. I've never been a fan of the robot in the Rocky series. Here, I'll I'll put that on digital wax. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's fair. I'm not necessarily a fan of it, but I'm telling you, it goes up two points just because the robot's in it. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair yeah enough. That, that's that, those are my rules. So that's that's a message to you, Hollywood. I know you, <laughs> I know you, you care about what I think, and uh, and I have, I'm here to tell you, if you put a robot in your movie, you get two points on the scale of one to ten. Now let's say your movie's garbage, it's still gonna get a two. It would have got a zero, but maybe it gets a two. Is is there a movie on your list that would have been a zero, save for the robot? Ooh, that's a great question. That's really forcing me to think about all the movies I've seen that have robots in them that I did not like. And yeah. gee, that's a that's a short list. I can't think of one right now. I'm sure it exists. Yeah, but... well, let it marinate. I'll be interested to see because I'm going to think about it too. I, I, 
I posited the question, though I don't necessarily have the whole you get two extra points. I'm just like, yeah, it had a robot in it. Like, so, I want to put it out there, though, that I haven't seen movies like Transmorphers that, like, is, you know, that Asylum Pictures Transformers knockoff. Uh, you, you sure? Yeah. So that, I, I mean, I've seen... heard the name. I, I wouldn't, after the regular Transformers movies. I'm like, Ooh, I'm not even, I'm not even going Transformers adjacent anymore. Oh, you know what? That That's a good point. Maybe that's your answer right there. Oh, so then Age of Extinction? Yeah. <laughs> I would say, yeah. An Age of Extinction is such a bad movie, uh, but it has robots in it. So two out of 10. Yeah. All right. But no William Hurt. So I'm going to take a point away. Okay, so you're saying one out of ten because no William Hurt in it. And then it had Stanley Tucci, and they didn't know what to do with him. So I'm going to take half a point. So I'm going to give it uh, half a point out of ten. Okay. Um, you know the pain I went through while watching that movie in the theater because we were in the same theater. That's and, right. Uh, and when we were walking back, the fever dream conversation we had about said movie was it's, just like, yeah. I don't know what I just saw. I felt traumatized coming out of that film because it was mm -hmm. so bad, and we saw it for free. Yeah, like, I mean, the best case scenario, we saw it for free, and I think they gave us, like, coupons for snacks. Yeah, no, we got free drinks and popcorn, and we saw it. Actually, you know what? It was during work hours, during work, so we got yeah. paid to see it. That's true. And uh, when we paid for it, though. Yeah, zero, uh, zero out of ten adjusted to two <laughs> out of ten with a robot rule. All right, fair enough, fair enough. You know, I, even, <laughs> I even got the hat. You still got the hat, huh? Yeah, and guess what the logo on the side of it is? Hmm. Chevy. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a very, that, that dovetails very nicely into back into what we were talking about. But before we move yeah. on, uh, to you, William Hurt, uh, may you find rest there. Uh and uh, we appreciate you and all the amazing art that you've put out into the world that we will get to enjoy and continue to enjoy. And uh, the world's a, a sadder place now that you're gone. To William Hurt. Oh, I didn't. I didn't grab a drink. Ah, this is to you, William Hurt, <laughs> and uh, it's a respectful gesture to you. And man, I. Would not want to be anyone who doesn't have a beverage to do this very thing on this very moment. And it has officially passed, and so we're moving on. William Hurt, this is to you. Oh. Ah, yes. Honoring William Hurt. <laughs> all right, well. Um, all right, well, let me uh, bring us back into what we were going to talk about. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God, my ears. Master Chief saved my ears! Oh, okay. Alright, so cool. Did you, did not, you even, like... not even the iconic part of the song. I guess it kind of is, but... I think, uh, arguably, that is more iconic than the actual song. The da-da-da-da! Da, yeah. da, da, da. Yeah. Here he comes! Yeah. He's all in green! Look at him yeah. go! <laughs> yep. Like it's whatever. When any no one starts when you say halo, no one starts with the -na -na -na. no, they go oh. 
yeah. Uh, whatever. However it goes. <laughs> I just heard it and I can't even remember how it goes. So iconic. So iconic. No, you're right. I think you're right, actually. I retract that. You're, because uh, that, that's when you see the Halo usually on the title screen. Yeah, Ring World. That's when you see the Ring World on the screen. No, it's a Halo. I mean, because the it, Ring World is, exists in Ring World, but this but is it, Halo. But it's a it's a ring, right? Yeah, but it's also and, a weapon. And, and it's a world, right? Kind I of. I mean, it just kind of has a world on it, but it's a weapon. Uh, so wait, so you're saying it's world adjacent? It's world-like. Well, so a ring world. A, a ring, a ring-shaped world-like thing. <laughs> well, okay. Technical. But, well, I'm getting. Te- I mean, it is ring. Right, ring. It is ring shaped, like you said. That's true. And it has a world on it, so it's a ring world. Yeah, it's a ringish world. I mean, no, sorry, no, it's it, a it's a worldish ring thing. Okay, so anyway, the ring world shows up, and yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know. I know almost literally next to nothing about Halo. Yeah, um, I well, I mean, of the two of us, obviously, I am the bigger Halo fan. I've been playing it since its debut on the original Xbox. Back in November 2001. And, uh, you know, the as you know, as everybody who has ever played an FPS knows, the ideal way to play an FPS is not on a controller. It's just not. Because it isn't. <laughs> I know yeah, there are I people mean, who are very good at it, but it's but, always going to be slower than the mouse and keyboard combo. Yeah, I mean, there are people I watch who play on controller and they move just about as good as someone on mouse and keyboard, if not better. But then I watch really good people on mouse and keyboard and it's like, nah, you're going to get smoked. The, the only difference usually is that what aim assist that you get off of controller. Yes. Um, Yeah. The game itself can help you out, but from a raw skill standpoint, you're still going to be, I think that's the general consensus. I don't think that's, that's necessary. Oh, I'm not, a no, controversial thing to say. No, I think it's. I mean, it is making up for the fact that you do not have precise aim like you would with a mouse and keyboard, right? You can put it, shoot, and there you go. This needs to help a little bit, and it makes sense to me. I don't. I don't really. I don't really knock it. Sure, um, and you know the. But before. Halo came out, there just wasn't an, an FPS on uh, consoles, aside from maybe GoldenEye, but even, I don't think you could argue that the controls on GoldenEye were particularly good. Oh, no, it's like a, a tank with one tread. Yeah, and very floaty sort of aiming on that game, but it, I think before Halo came along, there wasn't really that many good examples on consoles. Of course, 3D consoles were just kind of getting, they were still barely in their infancy or fairly in their infancy at this point mm-hmm. um but there just wasn't a good example and then halo comes out and it sort of legitimizes a fps experience or hones it in a way that you could it could be enjoyable on uh consoles of course it still has to be slower it has to be a little more floaty but i mean it definitely re- revolutionized that particular genre oh yeah no i mean it not only did that, but it legitimized it, I feel. Even though, for me, all the things that you described are all the things that I'm not a big fan of. Um, or I wasn't a big fan of back then when i you know, go over to a friend's house and play Halo. I was just like, why is this so 
jumpy or floaty? Why is the time to kill terrible? Like all the things that I've got kind of used to playing PC shooters at that point. Cause I was playing call of duty and you know, battlefield 1942 and all that stuff and i felt like even though if i was to go back and play those i'm sure they control like shit <laughs> yeah. i felt like especially you know, battlefield 1942 you know but like back then i'm like yeah this this gaming will never be better um yeah. fps was will be great and you know kind of having both spectrums at that point i was always going like mm, <laughs> mouse keyboard way it's at halo i can't stand you my tune has changed as I've gotten older. I appreciate old man Halo now. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Uh, and I think I, mean, I still know nothing about it, but I, sure. I appreciate it. Yeah. Well, Halo Two, of course, I think was the pinnacle of uh, of the series. It was just uh, the, everything came together, and really the story and the gameplay and everything at the time. The graphics, of course, now you look back on it, and you're like. Ugh. Um, but, uh, and it also helped put Xbox as a console on, uh, on the map. So I've been a fan since 2001. Um, and it's always, it's weird that like Sony, which was the, you know, is the dominant player in the console market currently and, uh, with followed by Nintendo and then Microsoft being probably a distant third, Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, it kind of it, it is it's crazy that Microsoft was able to create an indelible and lasting iconic mascot, if if you want to call it that. Whereas you know, in this weird twist of events, all these characters that we thought were Sony mascots, or or for our generation, were sort of connected to being Sony mascots, are now no longer Sony exclusive. So you just see them all over the place. It's the same thing with Sonic, but to a certain extent, but Sonic Sega doesn't make consoles anymore, so it hasn't felt like that for a long time. But it is interesting that Microsoft would be the one to have like the this super iconic character that survives and is is still relevant to this day. Oh yeah, I mean you gotta do it at least once. And uh they did it once and haven't been able to really recreate it again. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I guess you got gears. Like, sure, like, yeah. But it, it, I, I, I like how I just literally look to each side of me to see who's in the room listening to what I'm about to say, even though we're recording this. <laughs> I was like, I care less about gears than I do Halo. And yeah. I just look to my left and I look to my right, and I was just like, Ooh. gears. <laughs> has like a parabolic arc for me. Like I, I was super into like I, when it launched, I was like, okay, whatever. It's like hardcore. It feels, it looks very, you know, kind of gray and dirty and serious. And I wasn't super uh, excited about it, but then I played it with friends and the co-op campaign, I think in gears two, or maybe it was the first one who, who can, who can remember that far back. But uh, I just fell in love with that genre. But then, more recently, there's been a, like three or four games, or maybe two or three games that have come out that I've just been like, mm. I try them out. They're very pretty, but it's the same formula, and I'm bored. Well, my whole thing was like, who wants this Resident Evil 2 control scheme? Who thought this was good? It's like, yeah, well, you know, sometimes you want to know what it'll be like to control a real thick boy, and that's what, what you get with <laughs> Gears. Uh, 
spoiler alert, I've been doing that for 40 some odd years now. And uh, <laughs> I feel like I'd still move a little bit more graceful than half them gears people. Oh yeah. I've never seen you. I've never seen you do a roadie run, which is how the, that is the, the name of the type of like kind of crouch down shuffle that the gears characters do to get from one piece of cover to another. Is that what they call it? Yeah, because it's like, you know, when a roadie's on stage, they have to, like, replace oh, someone's yeah, guitar, gonna... <laughs> but they or... don't want them to take any focus away from the performance, so they have to hunch down and, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you, I got you, uh, uh, Simon Phoenix, or whatever your name is in Gears of War. <laughs> Mark, Marcus uh, Phoenix. It's, hey, I mean, you know, kind of right. I uh, Voiced by Bender himself. John DiMaggio. Oh, that's a John DiMaggio, huh? Oh, mm-hmm. good for him. Yeah, listen to it again. You'll you won't be able to not hear it. Yeah, like I I, I don't have dude's voice in my head it, it, in terms of the character. I'm like I don't know. I don't know who anyone is. Like I don't even know who the voice of Master Chief is. I'm just like, oh, like I mean, when I hear it, I go, oh, that's Master Chief. And then like I saw the trailer and I heard Master Chief. I was like, that's not Master Chief. So. But I couldn't tell you who does the voice for Master Chief. Uh, a lot of different people, as it turns out. Yeah, but there's like one person. There's like the one guy. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, the the uh, uh, the, the name of that person is. Uh, uh, they have a picture of him here. I believe is Steve Down. Uh, Downs. Steve Downs. Yes. No. Shh. Sure. Yeah, Steve Downs. Steve Downs. Steve that's Downs. That's him. Yeah, that's him. Sorry, I was looking at a list that included the um, something that we'll talk about, but included uh, for Halo Forward onto Dawn. Halo Four Forward onto Dawn. The uh, the web series and also a movie with a live action Master Chief. Because this is, I think, despite the Despite like the high profileness of this series, this is not the first time that uh, Master Chief has been, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, played in live action. What do you wh- rendered, shown? I mean, <laughs> whatever. I mean, was it a, was it a CG version of Master Chief? No, they had a whole outfit. It was so. Yeah, so it's, I mean, we'll, yeah. we'll get into it. We'll get into it. But yeah, uh, yeah. So there, there was other people who played him, but in the video games, it's always been uh, good old Steve Downs. All right. Well, there you go. Well, I know whoever's doing it this time around is not Steve Downs. Uh, not in the yeah, not in the upcoming show. Yeah, I just heard his voice before I looked up the cast, um, and I was just like, "That ain't him." Yeah. Why didn't they get him? Yeah, they are. I mean, they are having the voice of Cortana voice Cortana in this show, which, but no, uh, Steve Downs does not get to play Master Chief. Steve Downs was born in 1950, so obviously it would be tough to to have him play uh, the actual character in the live action. Why? Uh, Because he takes off his helmet a lot, apparently. Oh. No. Well, I mean... I don't know. No. We'll get into it. So, no. Uh, <laughs> before we get uh, into Ugh. sort of the different takes people are having about this new show, uh, I thought I would recap 
kind of the weird journey that the show took to becoming a thing. Yeah, please um, tell me how they got to all Master Chief helmetless all the time. Yeah. Well, it's crazy. They've been trying to make this a thing since 2005. I mean, that tracks. Yep. <laughs> because like 2005 is when the second Halo comes out, and it, it makes just an insane amount of money. And so Microsoft, kind of in a weird forward-thinking move, hires newcomer at the time alex garland to adapt the story uh, of halo 2 to a feature film and they had a script all ready to go and they took it around to all of the movie studios at the time and no one would take them up on it because they basically wanted minimal amount of like uh work on microsoft's part but like a, a massive amount of profit sharing mm. uh and this is like this is alex the guy who wrote the script is Alex Garland. So he, he did the, he wrote uh, ex machina annihilation 28 days later. These are like good, well-respected movies. And they had a script from him and they couldn't get it made to save uh, their life. Cause they were just too greedy. Apparently. <laughs> right. It's the sound like too greedy, not enough overhead. Yeah. Right? Like they're like, yeah, we're going to just make this our own thing, but we want to be as uh, cheap as humanly possible. Well, it's more like, it's not that they wanted to be cheap. They just wanted so much of the profits from it. And I, I get it. It's like, it's their IP. And Halo 2 at the time was the shit, right? That was just the hottest shit around. And so... Yeah, liquid shit. That's how hot it was. Yeah, liquid golden shit. Uh, and so I, I get why they had they kind of had this maybe unearned confidence. But basically, no studio would touch it. They're like, this deal sucks. Uh, but then a year later, Universal Studios and the then non-Disney 20th Century Fox uh, agreed to co-finance the movie, but only after they convinced Microsoft to take less money <laughs> for, <laughs> uh, for the ongoing, like, the profit sharing. And then during that time, basically the next six years, uh, they, or maybe not six years, but the... During a period of time after 2006, a bunch mm -hmm. of really famous people or a bunch of really talented artists were attached to to make this uh, movie. Um, Peter Jackson was on board as executive producer, and both Neil Blomkamp uh, mm -hmm. and Guillermo del Toro were attached to direct at, at certain points during this time. Interesting. I don't see... Like, I see a Peter Jackson... I don't know how I'd see. I, I love Guillermo del Toro. Don't get me wrong, but it'd be really interesting to get his take God, on. God, I would kill for that like, version of Halo. It would be so would, weird. Yeah, it'd be great. I mean, you know, have people say what they will about his Hellboy movies. Those were pretty like faithful to the source material. Well, especially the first one. And if you imagine yeah. the like the more subdued. Guillermo del Toro that made the first ha uh, Hellboy, I think he could have done a, a pretty faithful job, and you know the creatures would look insanely cool. Oh, they'd look the best. And then, you know, at least we'd get a, probably Ron Perlman wearing the Halo armor. Oh my god, can you imagine? <laughs> well, because, I mean, dude will be like, I don't need to take off my helmet, and we'd be good to go, you know, versus normally like, hey, I, I take my helmet off a minimum five times in this movie. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And he has, like, the kind of uh, resident voice that I think really could have. And the height. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, you put him there, yeah. I would kill to see that version of the movie. All right. So now I'm even more sad about this upcoming show. Neil Blomkamp, maybe not so much. (laughs) I mean, I really liked, um, I really liked District... Nine. Nine, is that? Okay, District Nine. Mm -hmm. Uh, but everything he's made since then, but he does find, he's able to find some people to make really cool tech. So you'd think like the tech stuff in his version would, would have been probably cool. Um, but as this kind of thing uh, goes, basically Fox and universal couldn't agree over who would pay what to finance it. And so it eventually just killed that iteration. So that that was like for the next six years, it was just rumors that it was going to come out, and Blomkamp was going to be involved somehow, even though he kept denying it. And uh, it was all the way. So basically, the after that, the breakdown of the uh, d- disagreements between Fox and Universal, the rights reverted back to Microsoft, and that's when we get in 2012, six years later, we get the series, the web series of 15-minute shorts called Halo 4: Forward Onto Dawn unto dawn and uh it features a live action master chief as like a secondary character and instead the the series is focused on thomas lasky which is a uh a secondary character in halo 4 which who i do not remember (laughs) i mean you could have lied to me and been like he's master chief's right hand man um and you'd be like sure why not yeah sounds good i guess but that so that was like released on the web and it was produced fairly cheaply for something that was so ambitious under 10 million dollars of uh, budget and it the all the 15 minute episodes add up to a feature length film so they eventually combined them all together and released it on DVD or something um, okay. but basically it was very praised as a streaming uh, series because of the your expectations especially at the time back in 2012 about what a streaming service or a streamer series could look like. Um, but I think once they made it into a film, then people are like, wait, no, this sucks for a movie. Like <laughs> for a streaming series, cool beads for a movie, a uh, gross, not good. Um, that so makes it, sense though. It, it makes total sense. Uh, yeah. You know, they just wanted to, to, to get, you know, squeeze some more money out of it. Um, but then, uh, of course, uh, 2000, around 2013, the Xbox One was announced, and they created the Xbox Entertainment Studios, which was an internal division to create Xbox Originals, which would be TV series that would ex- would premiere exclusively on the Xbox One. Because, remember, they took less like a less powerful hardware route so they could give you this all-in-one entertainment experience that was supposed to be, a, you know, bring in this whole new audience like they could see the Wii was doing, except that it was very badly implemented and instead split the audience and, you know, didn't please anybody. Uh, and, that tracks. Yeah, right? But they made this big announcement. They said, hey, hey, Amblem, Steven Spielberg's Amblem Entertainment is partnering with us to make a TV, Halo TV series that will ex- premiere exclusively on the Xbox. And it was supposed I so mean, it was supposed to be this big thing, right? But I mean, Steven Spielberg—that's who you'd you'd want on a show like this, absolutely. or at least having that name attached. Yeah, Amblin Entertainment does a lot too, so uh, that's a good call. 
Right. That's a good call. A fantastic call. And then, of course, the uh, the PlayStation 4 outsells the Xbox by orders of magnitude. Xbox One continues to be sort of a disappointment as a console. And uh, all of the, the st- Xbox Entertainment Studio is uh, shut down. Okay. And, <laughs> and uh, the... Um, uh, and all the shows are canned, uh, except for the Halo show, which survives and it continues being uh, put in development back in uh, back at this time. Um, and so, uh, sort of, while this is kind of happening in the background, Microsoft also tries to repeat the success they had with Forward Onto Dawn, and they make a Halo movie called Halo Nightfall that uh stars mike coulter uh reprising his halo 4 role i like how you keep mentioning these movies i had no idea they were out Uh uh-huh that says a lot (laughs) i mean that's not uh i mean it's not surprising that that's the that's your reaction like i mean literally i'm like i'm thinking like well i know they have the games and i know they have the red versus blue series Mm-hmm. and that was all they did right and that was it and you're like no they did 15 minute shorts and then they did another movie and i'm just like when when did they do this <laughs> who did they advertise why did i not hear about this if anything i would have watched it to ridicule it it's what <laughs> i do but i didn't even know any of this this is very fascinating yeah and there was a 2014 uh it's it's called a tv miniseries but i don't know what it premiered on besides like being included in the master chief uh collection of halo games but uh yeah it, mike uh starring uh, pre luke cage mike coulter as Locke, the another spartan but he was the star of that and people don't like that one <laughs> people don't care for that one yeah uh, well I can take a couple of guesses. Why was it any good? Did uh, you watch it? I so I haven't seen much of it. Halo Four is Halo Four and Five are the the uh, games from Halo that I like the least, and so I didn't really um, I invest much time in them. No, not at all. I got you. I got you. Makes sense. And uh, actually, it may have been that might have been Halo Five that was the Nightfall one. Let me look that. Yeah, because that's the Guardian. So sorry, that was Halo Five. Was what Nightfall is based on, not Halo Four. Halo Four is the Forward Unto Dawn. But I think it also part of this was people had started recognizing that this was an advertising tool and not necessarily like something that they would that Microsoft would be investing in, and so people kind of just bowed out. Yeah, they were just they could kind of smell the. the kind of the, the cynicalness of the, these creations in there. And, and maybe it also wasn't written very well. <laughs> you know, maybe. I mean, but so how, do, how does it get to Paramount Plus, the mountain of uh, streaming entertainment? Well, uh, back in 2018, they got a whole new creative team together and things finally started to pick up. And uh, Showtime actually ordered 10 episodes, and and they, they're they the ones who announced Pablo Schreiber, who is the current actor who plays Master Chief. That's the that's when they started announcing the casting. And so then COVID happened, because it was originally supposed ah. to come out in 2021. And they had several short... It sounds like they had like a bunch of production people kind of roll off and 
you know, be involved and then not be involved. And like right before, you know, right after it was, they announced, uh, Paulo Shriver, they said, you know, the, the showrunners like, well, I can't do this anymore because they had to delay it for COVID. So I'm sure it'll be good. And they left. And then, so during that time, that's when it was, uh, bought by Paramount plus and they decided to bring it over to that service as one of the, you know, tentpole franchises and they actually got it going. And now it comes out today. If you're listening to this, when this drops the first episode or episodes, I'm not hundred percent sure, but they will have debuted on Paramount plus by this time. Well, there you, uh, there you go. A long, complex history of it finally, of and then it finally is, comes out. Started in 2005 and just going through development hell for the past almost two decades. I mean, it makes, so how do I put it? <laughs> I'm surprised it's taken so long. Because, like, out of a lot of the video game, like, IPs, mm-hmm. this one just reeks of being made into a movie. Like, you know, almost instantly. I like. I mean, obviously, you describing Microsoft's greed and all that stuff, uh, slowing that down, this just feels like this is something that someone would be like, yeah, we're going to make Halo. And uh, the, the kids love it. And we're just, you know, we're just going to slap the Halo name on it, get it out there asap and instead it's like almost i mean it's going closer to 20 years now it's like like, like 17 years yeah of them trying to get this made yeah and, and you know who never gave up on this amblin entertainment still steven spielberg and amblin entertainment are still listed as production companies and executive producers on this very show i mean i guess that's who you want you know like i mean that's a good call. I'm glad that Steven Spielberg, at least his company, stuck around doing it, like, to get it out there. I guess the, my biggest question, my biggest question about all this, is there a Halo story that's worth telling like this that has, an, that has already been told? Like, that's is, is, is the wor- question. Yeah, because, like, to me... He looks cool. I think Master Chief looks cool. I think like the other um, Spartans, they look dope. Like I like, you know, Starship Troopers and stuff like the book. So seeing these suits and you know them, you know, kicking ass and taking names sounds great. But like in terms of a story, I don't know if there's enough there that warrants a, like a, a streaming TV series. Well, that's the thing, right? Is that I think that we have run into this in several instances. In, I think, and I think more recently is probably the book of Boba Fett, right? Is that we have someone who was a very cool-looking character design who doesn't have much established personality, except for the fact that they are always seen in armor, and then the uh, the sort of knee-jerk reaction to make it a different story is like let's tell the story about when they take off the armor and uh while i have faith that this iteration will be a more successful one the book of boba fett just because of my my feelings about that's 
I just, this from us all this has to do is tell a cohesive story over the series of episodes that already that plus this the half robotic master chief which gives it a of course one point uh guaranteed <laughs> are they robots robot. well they're cybernetic uh oh, okay. at least in the games okay i didn't know if they just grew them that big you know <laughs> like a slap on these size 22s or how big his feet are you know like yeah they're okay. like robocops they're a bunch of robocops except without the the body horror um or maybe now, there's a little uh, bit of body horror i don't know he never I takes mean, his I, helmet off until now apparently yeah well when you got pablo shriver in there you gotta see the money maker <sighs> <laughs> I, so I, I don't know yeah. we haven't like i said before even though this will be out by the time that this episode comes out we have not you know we're we're not there yet. We're just on the cusp of being provided screamers. <laughs> screamers. Uh, screamers is right. <laughs> stream uh, Screeners from Paramount Plus. I'm certain of it. Put it out there. Just get in touch with me. Get in, email the Pop Saga email address if you want to. If you want us to to be doing reviews, uh, advanced reviews on this this terrific series, we'll do it. Just give us this the screeners. Um, but. Uh, you know, <laughs> I forgot my train of thought. I was too, I was, I was thinking about the movie Screamers with, uh, with Peter Weller. In it. <laughs> Do you remember that? There's a movie with Peter Weller's called Screamers. Uh huh. And it's about these like scary robots that, uh, again, plus two points already, but it's about scary robots who like kind of burrow under the ground and they imitate people and they have a very high pitched scream. Screamers. You ever seen Screamers? No. Wow. Okay. Well, no. Maybe it's no. coming to a, a pop scares you near you. Uh, hold on. I'm on it. I am. No, we're not watching that. I'm not watching that. It's <laughs> <That looks> terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not watching that at all. <laughs> or no. Okay. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, God. It, it just gets worse. I played the trailer. I shouldn't have played the trailer. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Um, Fair screamers. Enough. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. No, thank you. But no, you were talking about like. You know, him removing his helmet and all that stuff. Yeah. Well, you know, it. I think it, there's a possibility that it might be a good idea in this case. Only because you're right. From the perspective of the games, the reason why Master Chief is kind of a blank slate is because they you want the ability for the players to imagine themselves or at least be able to sort of pretend that they are the Master Chief. And the more context you give about his personality, the more that will possibly not, you know, make it harder for people to suspend their disbelief in that way. But I think for a show, having a more personal connection to the hero, if he's the main character, feels right. Because it's not like The Mandalorian where that's like, part of his character is not taking the armor off. That's a brilliant way to do that. But in this case, I you know, he's just in the Marines. <laughs> it's, I mean, I don't know. Never been in the Marines, but I don't think they're like a quasi-militaristic religious organization like the Mandalorians are. 
No, but you have rules. Like you've established rules, whether it is meant to give like someone that power fantasy of imagining that they are master chief or they're the ones underneath the helmet or whatever, that rule is there. So when you break it, there is, you know, continuity problems with that right like it feels i keep liking it to like the, all the old fucking batman movies where he had to rip his cowl off every time you know because they were like we need to show michael keaton is batman or we need you know like you know what i mean like it's just that moment where they we have to see them kind of in this vulnerable thing it feels like this is being kind of placed on this halo series where master chief is just this indomitable super soldier yeah who, if i remember the story is usually pretty much on his own except for his uh microsoft phone yeah, yeah right cortana the bing assistant is uh is definitely with oh, him all no, the time if, if he used bing or edge he's screwed i'm just telling you right now <laughs> cortana look up maps to covenant locations did you want to find a Marie Callender's? Yeah. Like, uh, okay. Yeah, all right. I, I like I like chicken pot pie. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Right. So I think that it really depends on what kind of story they want to tell. I think that here's what I'll say: if it is like the Batman or even the Raimi Spider Mans, where the person is constantly taking their mask off for reasons that don't make sense then I'm out, right? If Master Chief is in a firefight and, like, he is trying to talk to someone and he's just like, and they're like, I can't hear him. And so he pulls, he's constantly pulling his belt. belt. I said, stay together. Then I'll be out. If it is, like, if he has his helmet on in the times that you would have played him in the game, you know, like, when he's, like, on a mission or when he's being attacked or whatever, then fine. Because we don't in the in the games we're, we're never at like we never see Master Chief eat lunch or like go to like <laughs> get his like armor oiled or whatever you have to do as a cyborg. We never see him just like on a weekend. <laughs> we never are playing Master Chief goes to the park to just kind of think about life. That's not the content in the Halo game. So. If we get him like in between missions and he's like relating to somebody or he, you know, is just taking his helmet off between a mission, I don't feel like that's like, I don't think that's going to betray the character in the way that people had a problem with Boba Fett taking off his helmet. I don't, I mean, I don't know because one had four minutes of screen time originally and the other one had like what six halo games plus another bunch of things where he's never done that for you to be able to see who he is like i feel like there's more established lore that that dude lives in that armor like if he took the helmet off he's funking up the place that's (laughs) what i'm just saying i think you're probably right i think that there is there has been an instance where you're because you're first person right so there's been an instance where you see the helmet going on, so you can you can uh, imagine that the that that was Master Chief without his helmet. But also in the games, they make a pretty deliberate effort to never show you what the person looks like. Uh, 
And that sort of is the case for most Spartans, I think. Until Halo 5, I think they kind of kept people mostly under wraps. But I, it, the thing is, it just it, it, I think it depends on the context. It has a possibility, I think, to honor the, the intent of the game uh, while being able to tell a more sort of a relatable human story. But it just depends on the context. Because, it, like I said, it's never... In the game, he's never, like... No one tries to take his helmet off, and he's like, no, I'm all hamburger under here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I liken it to Dread, right? Like, mm. the start of the Dread movie, all you see is Dread putting on his helmet, and then it just stays on. Like, if you give me that, like, side view of Master Chief, I'm good with it. But if it's, like, partly, you know, they're doing the, like, paperwork part of the show where he's just sitting behind his desk writing and his helmet's off it's gonna be a little like i didn't realize he's a paperwork kind of guy yeah. <laughs> it felt like he was filling out forms in those games that's fair uh, yeah i'm not saying it's a a bad thing but i think you're right in terms of context that's the most important part like if it just seems unnecessary then it's i feel like it pull you further away but also to your point, are they actually focusing on Master Chief all the time? Or is it going to be, you know, similar to more traditional sci-fi shows where it's going to bounce around between a bunch of different characters? Well, the, the, the trailer gave that kind of context. Yes, there are there are several different angles that the, the show is going to tackle. And, and one of those will be uh, the, 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 the titular Spartan Master Chief. He's not titular, I guess. His, his name's not ha the Halo, but the uh, the famous Spartan Master Chief will be one of those characters, and also, you know, the there'll be the political angle and the the woman, the scientist who runs all the Spartan program, like her. Uh, that's going to be an angle, and so is like the Covenant and stuff. So they'll be showing a couple different things, but I think from in terms of like the Spartan perspective, we will be seeing. A lot of uh, Master Chief, and he will be hanging out with Bokeem Woodbine, who's also, I guess, maybe a former Spartan? I'm not sure. I haven't seen the show. I mean, I'll take it. I saw that uh, Natasha McElone, Mc, McElone, I never knew how to say her last name. I just knew her from Deidre from Ronin, so I was like, all right, well, there's someone I know in there. Uh, yeah. I'll watch that. Yeah, she's uh, playing uh, Dr. Hazley, Halsey, which is a, a fairly prominent character from the game. So that's exciting. Um, and, of course, Jen Taylor, who plays the, the uh, voice of Cortana, will be voicing Cortana, although she's not going to be in the first two episodes or so, I heard. Um, so, yeah, it... Uh, I guess let's let's dive into the critical reception because it has not been super kind. Now, granted, the the critics have only seen the first two episodes, and I think if you're going to judge an entire, that's like twenty two percent of the entire show. It's probably you know you never know. It could get way worse, or it could get better. That's fair. Like uh, I I don't know if two episodes of anything gives you context. I mean, maybe it did with Book of Boba Fett. <laughs> the first one was like, ooh. The second one was like, yeah. And then the third one was like, ooh. Yeah, so, I think you need at least three in that show to really see how 
how it's kind of uh, how that trajectory is gonna go. I feel like um, when we, you and I talked about it after we got to the second episode, I think we were both pretty optimistic about where it could go. Yeah, and then like that that changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's. I mean, I don't know. So like, this is gonna sound weird because I have no expectations. Like I said, for Halo or a show, so I don't know what two episodes of this means for me. Whether I gauge it off of my like. Uh, bathroom wall knowledge of Halo, mm-hmm. or do I just more judge it based off of a sci-fi show that just happens to be Halo? Well, that makes sense. I, uh, that makes total sense. I think that what is going to happen, based on the reviews that I have actually read through the entirety of, is that they took approach. They took an approach to the show and the lore in the show that takes into account the fact that people might be joining who have no idea about the show which is kind of unfortunate because i guess it it kind of it is inspired by the halo lore it's not going to be exactly the same lore you know from the games but there's going to be a lot of sort of tropiness to the show that will kind of hook into and homage other sci-fi tropes that you have come to know so the average sci-fi viewer will be kind of uh it's trying to cater to both audiences and not super successfully based on the initial reaction. But so, you know, take these things, you know, with a grain of salt. I know that you and I both know that Metacritic and Rotten Tomatoes are kind of not great ways to, they're not, I mean, it's our opinion, but it's not a great way to formulate your opinion about something. Yeah, I would hope that you wouldn't use that to like, ground something that you might just enjoy because you enjoy it you know i i get to the point where i'm just like who gives a shit what they think i like what i like um but you know sometimes it 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 does kind of show where everyone leans or you can sit there and be like yeah you know what i kind of agree with the 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 general consensus that they're saying here yeah Um, it doesn't it's not Beyond what you said, which is like, you know, you can, your personal tastes will factor into what you end up liking. And that's something to, important to take into account when you're considering watching something. Also, in the cases of Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic, there is, there are some algorithm based shenanigans that are happening on, you know, the back end that also make them scores that you can't necessarily trust on their faces. So, you know, yeah, take, I, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I never go to them before I watch something. Mm, yeah, smart. I, you know, I check them out afterwards. Um, the, the the biggest reviews I take are opinions from my friends. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to, you know, aligning yourself with someone who likes what you like and then listening to what they have to say about something is a, a pretty good way to find out if you're going to like something. But so take all that to an, into account. But so... The Rotten Tomatoes score currently for Halo is sitting at 59%, which is a rotten. Um, and it kind of speaks to the the fact of how kind of split people are on the reception of this show. Metacritic is sitting at green, but because they use a different metric for judging films than games for some reason. <laughs> so green is 62%, which... It's kind of crazy that that is still like, hey, it's pretty good. But I think what they're saying with that is like, uh, on average, more people, that's divisive, but more people like it than don't, which 
is kind of echoed in that Rotten Tomatoes score. Uh, IMDb has a ranking on it, but of course those are all user-based and no one has gotten a chance to see the show, but they are review-bombing it like crazy. It has a 1 out of 10. Yeesh. Yeah, I don't, um, I don't know if that is just because Cortana doesn't look like she does in the games or what. Um, a reminder to everyone out there, in the games, Cortana is just portrayed as a naked woman with circuits and st- <laughs> like painted on her uh, up until like very recently. So uh, good reasons they took to change the design of that character. Yeah, but... You can still make the character look like the character, though. Sure. You can still make the, the face look similar or something, but... Uh, like, if it looks like everyone's wearing a wig in there, then there's a problem. <laughs> yeah, the the one shot we have of Cortana is a is a, a weird choice that they took with that design. But, uh, you know, uh, there are positives to that reimagining. Um, so what I did was I collated a few of the reactions, and I'm going to read them through, and we can talk about them. Um, and, uh, let's just see how people are. So in general, you can see that people are falling in two, one of two camps. I think a lot of people think that the show is kind of mediocre. There are some people who don't like it at all. And then there are a few people who really like it, which I have now I'm very interested to see the show. Cause I'm wondering what it's a very divisive reaction. And usually on those instances, I end up like, I don't know. I usually end up, I, I very rarely straddle the line on those instances. When there's something that's very divisive, I usually really love it or really hate it. So I'm very interested to see. Well, I, yeah, I'd be interested to get a take because I, I have one. You know, I was going to just really shit on it all over, but I, I, I think I know where I would sit when watching this. Mm-hmm. But let's see what let's see what other people see, say if it adds up. So Darren uh, Franick, Franich? From Entertainment Weekly, and he is a top critic on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, however, whatever, if that means anything to you. Uh, he says, I, I thought I've uh, sourced this one because I thought it was kind of funny. It says, the drama comes on strong with ambient techno babble and bureaucratic realism. And then he says, it's as thrilling as a meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, not a, that's not what I would want to hear. When I show someone my sci-fi action show, they're like, "Wow, it's like have going through a immediate work where I find out about my how my benefits have changed." <laughs> Good news, they haven't. But you're gonna sit through half an hour of this anyway. Yep. Uh, and so he uh, that that review is a C minus. Okay. All right. Okay, that's not great. Uh, from the AV Club, William Hughes had a slightly um, a slightly more positive take, and he says that uh, Schreiber is indeed the most interesting thing about Halo, so that uh, bodes well for Maskless Master Chief. Um, I mean, dude's big too. If I I, oh, yeah. I remember him from The Wire, so dude's big. So like he'll fill out that suit. I remember and him it, as the, playing the Leprechaun from American Gods, the uh, TV show. Oh, well, there you go. I'm like going back to the wire season two, the season that a lot of people liked. And I was like, yeah, he was in there. He's a pretty big guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah but okay. So, uh, so he says, uh, but then he follows that up with, which isn't necessarily saying all that much. <laughs> so oh. a little underhanded compliment for Shriver. Uh, and uh, the AV club 
gave the first two episodes a score of a C plus. So that is uh, slightly more, slightly more uh, positive than the last one. But um, if you move on over to the Hollywood Reporter, Dan Feinberg uh, very much did not like these two episodes. On uh, uh, this is from source from Metacritic, so it has a thirty eight percent, which is basically a four out of ten, which is not good. And uh, he had to say, boasting no technological innovation to speak of, few performances to offer meaningful grounding, and only limited action thrills, Halo is aggressively forgettable, which is at least several steps up from being bad. (laughs) So he was... Yeah, I'm not... mm, Mm. (laughs) Like... No, the... It's a pretty dicky review, Dan Fiber. I mean, it is, but I'm like boasting no technological innovations. Like, who cares? Like, I mean, it's gonna be CG one way or the other. Not everyone's gonna build out like their whole. It was made the, for Paramount the, Plus, you guys. <laughs> yeah, this isn't down. like this isn't like John Favreau doing something in the Jungle Book, going like, I can make a TV show with this real, you know, and. Right. designing that's, a volume and creating whole new technologies for this. I'm that's a literal technological innovation. Yeah, I'm not expecting everyone to be doing that. I'm not ragging on it for there. Like, if it's boring, that's one thing. Or if it's, uh, you know, just middle of the road, that's one thing. But, yeah, okay, Dan Feinberg. <laughs> okay, buddy. <laughs> All right, buddy. Calm down. You, yeah, chill out. It's okay. Yeah. Um. And uh, so up next, uh, we have a sort of a more middle-of-the-road view. This uh, is from Paste Magazine. And uh, Kevin Fox Jr. says, Halo's first two episodes, available for review, are exciting. Did you see that? Available for review. That could be us. Just saying, Paramount Plus. We might say it's good. And then Metacritic will pick that up. It'll send your average up. Just saying. I mean, honestly, if anyone sent us a screener to, for our preview, it probably automatically would get the highest appraised. Are you <laughs> kidding me? <laughs> this is the greatest show ever. Can't you believe it was so awesome? There was that part where he's filling out paperwork for like a solid 15 minutes, <laughs> and I loved it. I loved how he dotted his eyes across the teeth. See, was... you don't even have to bribe us. Just yeah. let us in the party early, and all this that's that's worth five points right there. And you have Done. one point guaranteed for half a robot. And so, I mean, Come on. And if another whole robot shows up. If there is a whole robot in here. You're getting another point. That's That's three points. I'll add one for the cyborg and then two for the robot. Oh, wow. You're being generous. I was just going like, okay, you you get one point for the cyborg, and then I'll give you another point because you put a robot. But you should have started with the robot first to get the two points right off the rip. That's right. And then think about it. Then you get five points for sending us a screener and letting us into the party early so you're guaranteed a eight that's nice and if it's good no no we're guaranteed a, no yeah three yeah you're guaranteed an eight well you, the way you're doing it they'd be guaranteed a seven from me but i'm a harsh critic yeah uh but i believe fair but can completely be bribed so there you go yeah. And it doesn't even have, like look at how easy that bribe. Well, you you could all you have to do is press another DVD and send it to us before everyone else gets it. Anyway, That's it. that could so be paste uh, Kevin Fox Jr. Yeah, Kevin what, Fox what Jr. Is, for paste. He gets a screener, but we don't. Boo, 
already don't like this guy for that reason. <laughs> I don't even know what paste is. I don't either. Um, uh, it says our uh, Halo's first two episodes are exciting and captivating, although they differ greatly from one another in tone. There is mm. no way to tell from watching 22% of the season whether they'll stick the landing. But what, what can I say? It's more ambitious in scope than I expected. But in uh, becoming so, it veers away from the original game. So he's saying, hey, it's not going to be faithful to what you're used to. Um, but he likes it a lot. That being said, although th- that sounded like a very... No, you tell me. That sounded like a very positive review, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was a couple of, like, you know, dagger pokes, but... A couple caveats like, here and there, sure. Yeah, not like the full Ides of March here. I don't think they just stabbing him in the back. So, like, yeah, it sounds relatively positive. What did he give it? Uh, He gave it a... Uh, you know what? Uh, let me take that back. He actually gave it a 72. That was actually a very good review. I mean, it's it's in... Uh, it's pop saga john category of seven out of ten right it's still a c it's still a c minus or a a solid middle of the road c but it's uh it's compared to the other on this list it's pretty uh it's pretty generous and then i will compared to the other ones yeah yeah. sure (laughs) sure uh and i was able to find a positive review Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the Daily Beast. Uh, uh, all right. <laughs> all right. Positive enough, I guess. Nick uh, Shagger, or Skagger, however you p- pronounce that S-C-H, um, says uh, that the, the adaptation's accuracy is mildly undercut by the moderately creaky narrative, or by the moderately creaky narrative wheels it sets in motion. However, with top-notch CGI and a lead performance from Shriver that lends new depths to his famously one-dimensional hero, Halo appears to have the firepower to become its own uniquely formidable sci-fi titan. You're a wrong series. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You didn't yeah. do it that's right. Titanfall. Yeah, that's Titanfall. Titanfall. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. So uh, that he gave it an eighty, an eighty. So that could have been us. Like you could have had another eighty in your uh, belt, but that was an eighty from the Daily Beast. So they actually enjoyed it. Okay, like I mean, at least he calls out a quality CGI, and you know, from what I saw with the trailer, I I would assume so. Yeah, some of those sets seem kind of cheap, but uh, the CG looked top notch. Yeah, I mean. I guess for me, I still have old school streaming service TV show bar that I'm just like, eh, it's fine. Like, it's not a movie. The only time that changes is when it's a Marvel TV show, depending on which one it is. You're like, oh, they spent a couple of bucks on this. (laughs) Um, But even like, you know, uh, WandaVision, there were some things in there you go, like, "Mm, this kind of is like TV. This is like a TV special effect right here. Uh, But Yeah. yeah. Anyway, like, okay, good good on you, Nick. Eight out of ten, um, or, you know, 80 out of 100, whatever makes people feel better. Yeah, whatever, however much granularity you want there. Um, yeah. But uh, we'll end this out with uh, the reviews that I've collected with a, a pretty bad one. And this is, uh, this is from Slant Magazine. 
Oh, okay. And it says uh, they've avoided the trap of filling precious screen time with impenetrable jargon and shorthand, but the result is extensive mythology rife with political machinations that, at least at uh, in the first couple of episodes, feel alternately opaque or convoluted. So, sounds like uh, the story is maybe a little too interested in its own farts and uh, maybe doesn't do a good job of explaining that to the the viewer i do wonder as somebody who's played all the games and has fairly extensive knowledge of the uh mythology like i do i wonder if i that will not be a problem for me yeah i wonder if you'll get kind of like the star wars shorthand right yeah yeah like from what i was reading about it it seems like this isn't uh 100 percent faithful to the halo story yeah that's what i've read as well yeah, Halo adjacent, which probably will be for its benefit in the long run. Um, but, like, I would hope that those Easter eggs or that, you know, extra knowledge as you got from playing all the games and going through the story and stuff would, like, benefit you with kind of a all-knowing, like, oh, I know who that is, or, you know, something along the lines of that. I think it will, uh, as long as they keep the character relationships the same, I think it will help. And I th- I think also since like the covenant seems involved and that trailer that I just watched that you were talking about the the full length one looks like the flood is involved. Like these are things that I already know all about and will be it'll be much easier to know kind of what they're talking about. Uh I think even with just the knowledge of the players involved. But right. uh Yeah, so kind of takes from all over the map. I think generally from what I've read uh, people's complaints boil down to it being sort of tonally uneven. Uh, and well, I know I know at least the the guy from AV Club, William Hughes, said that it the overall it just feels very cheap. Um, here I'll read what he uh, I'll read what he said because I think it's at least please. I, we, I, I said I, I gave his like sort of top line quote from Rotten Tomatoes uh, at the top of this, but I have a, a slightly longer quote from him. And it says, uh, Schreiber and Ha, that's uh, um, Pablo Schreiber, Schreiber and uh, Yir and Ha, who plays yep. Quan Ha, uh, they um, have a good hero sidekick chemistry. And there's an element of dedicated sci-fi weirdness that keeps things from feeling too rote. Bokeem Woodbine, for instance, is having a lot of fun in the second episode as the uh, second episode role as literally the only person John knows who is not a government-altered killing machine. <laughs> um, but the whole thing is brought down by the writing, which never goes for a second draft line when a first la- draft line will do. And by uh, abiding... And by abiding and pervasive sense of cheapness. So to him, at least, if the whole thing, like, there's a lot of uh, aspects about it that feel cheap and never stop feeling cheap. Hmm. I think, I think that kind of aligns with how I just approach from what, approach the series from what I've seen. Mm-hmm. Is, like, I don't, like, I have a transitive halo knowledge but you know i'm not deeply intimate intimate with it nor do i really like care 
about things being uh, true to whatever they did in the game because I just don't really have that context. So to me, I'm looking at this as more like, is this an interesting sci-fi series first that just happens to be set in the Halo world? And then I worry about the fact that Halo, in terms of stories, super huge, but, you know, TV show budgets don't really allow for that unless, you know, you're, you're you know, throwing Amazon levels of money at some of these episodes, um, which it doesn't seem like they are. So I, I, I could worry that the level of cheapness and just like generic sci-fi writing will be really prevalent. That's kind of what I'd be worried about. Yeah, I, and I don't think, I mean, it's certainly the, the review from the AV Club uh, backs you up fairly pervasively or fairly convincingly, but like, just to put it in perspective, and granted, this is separated out by quite a few years, so the you know it's it's not exactly an apples to or uh, apples comparison, but um, the Halo uh, Forward onto Dawn, which was that feature length web series, was made for under ten million dollars, and this series is being made for I think it's like ten episodes long, and it's being made for ninety million dollars. So that's ten to, that's ten million an episode, not bad. No, it's not bad, but like, I just think of the scale and scope of how Halo has been presented to me in game form. Yeah, that's true. And 90 million ain't doing shit for you. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, that ring world alone, that <laughs> costs a good 30 million. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot of CG aliens too, and a lot of outer space business. I know right? that like, one of the things that'll be the big difference is that I think that they are kind of hitting the fact that the the government and military organization that created master chief is actually not is less of a big good guy it's good it's big lots yes of course it's the dollar tree but uh it's less of a good guy than the sort of the first couple halo games make it out to be and so we're we're going to be focusing on like that plus the covenant and maybe adding more of a that human sort of government corruption is also I mean it's smart to do right now I think just to sort of tap into I don't know tap into people's feelings at the moment in this moment of history but also I think it's smart to do because then you have more humans that you <laughs> could fill runtime with. Unless, uh, you know, so you don't have to spend all that money on the expensive FX shots of all the aliens. Yeah, like, that's the thing. I wonder if, like, this will just boil down to it being uh, done like most other sci-fi shows. You know, like, here here are uh, bottle episodes or, like, you know, here's a smaller slice of a bigger story. So, you, you like you said, you can focus on the humans and the greeblies and less, like... Um, CG heavy spectacle, you know, things mm -hmm. like maybe like the first episode, you get five minutes of super action. And then like the last episode, they give you like 10 minutes, but everything else is pretty like limited uh, in what they do. Yeah. It, it very well might be. I mean, so I still have, I still have, uh, I have hope for the show. Uh, I think I have like a really high tolerance for, sci-fi when it is corny or when the writing isn't as good because sure. as long as it looks nice and like the ideas presented are interesting uh but 
I, I I was disappointed to see that that the it wasn't more universally embraced by the people who have been able to see it so far. Here here's a uh, just I, I'd be interested in your thought on this since you are the fan. Do you think this makes sense as a TV show, or should it ju- is it more movie worthy? I think you know like yeah, go ahead. No, because I was like, look, you watch the Dark Tower. The Dark Tower series needs to be a TV show. There's no way in hell you do that as a movie and give it promise. So I, I'm just curious if you think it's that case or there is an argument to make this a TV series. So I think that Halo, the games have like a lot of lore that you can bite, the like you can sink your teeth into. But I think that it could have easily worked just as well as a movie. I mean, I don't know if it works well as a TV show at all, but I think if, if you were to take the original conceit and then you you kind of treat John the Spartan uh, the Spartan called Master Chief as uh, a silent, mysterious protagonist. I think that's probably better suited for a movie. Not only because the budget's going to be higher, but also like you can get away with having sort of a more one dimensional protagonist. I think in an, in a sci fi action movie than you can over a series, and I think that's why we're seeing all this chatter about a lot of you know mask off master chief i mean it worked for that movie soldier with kurt russell he had like a paragraph worth of lines in that whole thing and yeah. i love the shit out of that movie right and i think that there is something to be said about the fact that the story even though it's a game and that's the primary reason why master chief doesn't speak you know link from the zelda games never talks for the same reason but I think that there is an argument to be made, like Soldier, that having the fact that the hero is one-dimensional be part of the story and having that sort of be uh, add dramatic tension and have it add actually more depth by contrasting you know, people who have dimensionality with this weird one-dimensional soldier... There's something to be said for that. I think that could that could also be interesting. You don't have to necessarily add dimension to this character. I mean, I, I'd be impressed if you tried to find depth form. Like, I don't feel like he needs it, but that's that's me, I guess. Uh, yeah, and I think that that's a fairly persuasive argument. So it'll be interesting I, to see what when the show, you know, later today, ha ha ha. <laughs> for us, I mean, we're recording this, uh, you know, on a Sunday before this comes out, so we have no idea. But by the time you listen to this, I at least I will probably have seen it. I don't know. I can't speak for John. Um, yeah, that's going to be a big no, buddy. Yeah, okay. no. <laughs> there you go. I'm going to expect you that. I'm going to expect you to give me a progress report and be like, you know what, John? Maybe you should check it out. Okay. And if you're like, you should check this out before I check out Discovery then I'll know you're serious. But mm. if you're like, yeah, give it a watch, I'll be like, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I got you for it. watch it, no problem. <laughs> You'll of watch it right after it. Discovery. After I get yeah, done with Discovery. Yeah, right. I'll let me load that up on that whole list of things I won't do. And the worst part is T-Mobile is giving me a year of Paramount Plus for free, and I have yet to set it up. Oh, boy. So. Okay, well, that, there you go. Well, yeah. you know, uh, I'll, I'll report back, and I think, you know, tune in next week, and you can hear my update on what I think about the the first episode of the, the Halo show. I am still cautiously hopeful, less optimistic probably than before, but uh, 
it'll be very interesting to see what they do with this. I hope it is good and we get multiple seasons. You know, I think the Master Chief Star Rising is is, is something that I would be fully in support of, but uh, I think for all the reasons you mentioned and more probably, maybe, you know, you just sometimes some characters are just game characters and that's okay. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all if that's where it goes. My hope is that it's... Uh compelling enough or at least good enough sci-fi i always think that that need we need more of that in this world so if it's halo great if it's halo like great whatever as long as you know it's written smartly enough and enjoyable so i'm i'm really looking forward to your your report just because if anything i love cool dudes in suits of armor and if you're like yeah that's pretty badass you know what i mean like he, he he looks pretty good but if it's a lot of hero landings and uh, him taking off his helmet or like Michael Bay slow-mo shots, you tell me that too, because then maybe it'll go behind uh, me rewatching Mod. <laughs> wow. So never. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, I will definitely let you know, and I will let all of you listening know. But I think, unless you have any objections, John, that that's going to do it for us this week wrap us up oh, <laughs> let's get wrapped all right let's roll right into the acknowledgements first up as always is burton m6 for our incredible theme song check our show notes for a link to his fiverr page and show him some love he deserves it and as always you can get in touch with us in a, a, a myriad of ways you can uh follow us on our various social media accounts we've got twitter we've got Instagram, Facebook, no dice. Get out of here, Facebook. We don't want you. But those other mm -hmm. uh, platforms we uh, fully support. And, <clears throat> and you can email us if you like to do email, which I think that nobody does anymore, but you can do it if you'd like. Uh, we've got an, a Gmail address just for this podcast, and it is thepopsaga at gmail.com. And of course, you can go to our merch store if you would like to buy fun little Chashi shirts and all sorts of fun stuff with various uh, Pop Saga branding on it. Get it now before it's taken down by evil corporations for being too cool. And uh, all the links to all of those things can be found in our show notes with the little Pico link. Right? That's what it's called? Pico link? Yeah. Okay, yep, yep. fantastic. It changed, and now I can't ever remember. Um, but uh, uh, Yeah, I changed it from that other one. I was like, get out of here, Linktree. PicoLink is where we're at. PicoLink, yeah. you should sponsor us because yeah. I use you. <laughs> That's right. This show is not sponsored by PicoLink, but it could be. You're at here. Um, and uh, so that's going to do it for us this week. Before, But before we go, like we always like to say, at the end of every show, we hope that... Wherever you are, however you choose to listen to us, you're feeling happy and you're feeling healthy. And of course, we'll be back at you next week with a brand new episode. Remember, folks, my new nickname is the Fartin Spartan. <laughs> Pop, 
Rap Saga, you know we keep it groovy. We talking cartoons, books, TVs, and movies. A couple of nerds, but got style. We so cool. Pop culture, talking new and old school. Yeah, you should know we love hip hop from the roots. Ty Lib, shout out to Feral Munch. We giving you what you want. It don't get no liver. Ain't no doubt we got you. This is Pop Saga. Let's go. Oh, yeah, you heard right. This is a lifestyle. Welcome to the nerd life. Pop Saga.